On today's episode of The Happenings, we'll be discussing the Women in the Creative Economy panel discussion as part of the Make Her Summit at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. Virginia Arasueno, Grace Bonney, Deanna Dorsey, and Rakia Reynolds discussed their experiences and challenges as they turned creative passion into enterprise. This is Ashley. This is Caroline. And it's The Happenings. We are... <laughs> Great start. Yep. Great start. Yep. <laughs> we are both having um, brain farts. Yeah. Crazy days. Brain farts. I hate that word. Yeah. I just used that word on the podcast. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. One of my coworkers sent an email today that said, please ignore. I just had a brain fart. I was like... <laughs> Nice. Okay. We are all feeling it today. Yeah. But we really wanted to talk about the event we went to yesterday. Um, It was at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. um, And it was called Fresh Talk. It was part of the Maker Summit. First annual. I learned that at the talk. Didn't know it was so new. Could have fooled me because it looked awesome and professional. They sold out. Yeah. The event. That was great. Yeah. And then in the actual talk component, um, they focused on the topic of women in the creative economy. um, And they featured four badass women, um, two local, two not local. Um, And so the two local ones were Virginia Arsueno and she's the founder of Donata Design and Steadfast Supply in the yards uh, in DC and then the other local woman was Diana Dorsey and she's the founder and creative director of uh, Diana Dorsey Designs and District of Clothing and then our two visitors were Grace Bonney um, she is the founder of Design Sponge and Good Company Mag she also has a New York Times, New York Times best-selling book. Did I make yeah. that up? No, it is a New York Times best-selling book. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Rakia Reynolds. She's the founder and CEO of Sky Blue Media. Uh, most notably represents Serena Williams and her brand. Yeah, which, again, badass. Badass women. She was also wearing two different earrings, which I was like, get it. I want to do that. Yeah. Well, there was a solid minute during that talk where I was looking at her earrings and I was like, dang, she can really. It was like one was a hoop and one was like a tassel earring. Yep. One was gold, one was black and gold. And I was like, did she mean to do that? Because <laughs> I would be the one to walk out of the apartment wearing two different earrings because I couldn't make up my mind. She probably meant to do that because, again, she is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Very, I would aspire to have that fashion sense and mind. Oh, and her funky glasses. Yeah. (laughs) All different color nails. Oh, I didn't notice Obviously, we were very infatuated by her attire. I'm sitting here in 
blue jeans and a sweatshirt. So, you know. <laughs> well, I was, that's funny that you said that. I was on my way here in, in Lyft and I was thinking like, you know, this podcasting thing is really nice. I can just roll up in sweatpants and leggings or those are the same thing. Leggings and a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. Honestly, both. It's really gross and cold today. Um, and it's great. Nobody it's, has to know. It's just Caroline. We're telling so. you now, but nobody else has to know <laughs> normally. Um, but yeah, the event yesterday, just overall feeling. Well, let me back up. So essentially what happened at the event was these four women. It started out with just them discussing uh, the role of women in the creative economy and kind of what it means to be a woman in the creative economy. Um, some of the hurdles they've faced, some anecdotes, stories, things they've learned, uh, etc. So about an hour and a half yeah. probably yeah. of them just talking. And then they opened it up to questions uh, for the remaining 15 to 20 minutes. So... Uh, yeah, I just, I remember after they were done talking, I was kind of a mixture between in awe, just like, wow, these women are killing it. And then also just like, so inspired, like, wait, I want to be that person. (laughs) Wait, can they pick me? Um, so it was, for me, it was really refreshing and it was a powerful group of women just like talking about the hustle and how hard they work. That's what I appreciated is they were super honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about how even now having, you know, very successful companies, one of them wanted to start a new branch of her company and she sold furniture to make that happen. Oh, yeah. There's just like a common misconception of if you're, you know, known well enough to be asked to speak at these types of panels and oh you must be doing great and yeah self-sufficient or I mean she is obviously great and self-sufficient but like making boatloads of money which might not necessarily well, be true it was interesting I think it was Grace Grace Bonnie I think she was the one that was talking about the tables but she also made another comment about how like you don't really social media obviously came into the conversation and they talked a lot about social media and the effects of it and what you see and et cetera. But she was talking about how with social media and being in the creative economy, it's like, you don't really see the hard times you see the product, but then what else, something else you don't see is all like the, the crap and the fallout from that one success. You just see the next success. So it's like, that's where they, I thought it was really, because, like, we're out here hustling, and and that's why I thought it was really great that they talked about, you know, it's really hard. I think, I don't, I think it was Rakia, Rakia, she was like, we did not wake up like this. Like, we did not just roll out of bed and happen to be successful. Um, I think um, Grace had a really interesting philosophy on social media, because I think, it's so, I mean, it is overly curated, not just for businesses, but for people too. But it was almost like she was saying, you have to knock yourself down a couple of times mm-hmm. because you can't keep showing good things and good things and good things. Because if something bad happens, people are going to think, oh my gosh, she doesn't know how to pick herself back up. Um, yeah. This is detrimental. Whereas if you show along the way the struggles you're having, but then the successes that also come after the struggles, 
it's more real. People are more in touch with you. And then when something bad does happen or things don't go as planned, they don't think you're going to like, that's the end. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think it's great that like someone as successful as she is, um, is able to be vulnerable and open. I guess my question would be, when do you start publicizing those sorts of things? You know, like, you know, me and my 10 followers on Instagram, do I talk about how bad of a day I had or do I wait until I have 10,000 followers? And then it's, I mean, it, it kind of goes to what you just said and and the point she was bringing up, but it's like, of course I want to be vulnerable and open, but it's scary and it's hard to be vulnerable and open. And so it's like, I guess, when is it time to, because when is it time to start kind of sharing those stories and those hardships? Because it's hard when you have 10 followers or 10,000 followers, like it's always hard in different ways. Um, I think that that kind of plays into one of my biggest questions coming out of it. This is not most people's full-time get like most of the people there, they'd have side hustles but they have full-time jobs to pay the bills. And it's like, at what point do you take that leap? When do you feel successful enough to move on to the next thing or to share the kind of, oh my gosh, I had a shitty day post or the real life or how, at what point are you ready as a business company, creative, whatever it is that your endeavor is to kind of like take that next step or do that next thing Mm -hmm. or invest that much more into whatever it is. That's a great question. I mean, I don't know. I'm sitting here side hustling with you. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. I wonder, I I would assume it would be some combination of financial feasibility and a feeling. But I, so many of the people that, so many of the artists that I used to work with, a lot of them did it as a side thing, but Uh the only ones that were super successful were, I'm, it's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah, The yeah. ones that were super successful were the ones that were doing it full time. But they right. said that it was, I think I heard all the time that it was the need for the money. Like yeah, you become that much more invested in making it work when it is your livelihood. Mm. Whereas when it's not your livelihood, it can be fun, but you're not necessarily, you don't have that fire under your butt to yeah. really figure it out. Like it'll be fine if you take a few months off and, you know, relax. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, I think it was Virginia that had said something about, I I forget the transition, but she had said something about how the, the starving, struggling artist's life was getting old for her. Um, I forget where that transition went, but it it was interesting kind of hearing, I think Deanna was maybe the only one where I, I can't remember what her story was, but like, design sponge grace like she was bored at work and so she started it over her lunch and yeah it picked up um rakia she was fired she was laid off and so she was like well i got nothing else to lose and like really went for it and then um virginia had studied fine arts but you know was trying to figure out a way to make it work and i guess had been living in new york did i make that up I don't know where that New York came from. I'm not saying it's not right, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. Maybe I'm confusing them because... It might have been. Yeah. Anyway, she... A lot of them... 
every single one of them said that like they didn't come necessarily with like a silver spoon in their hand or like a fan they were fine and their parents raised them well but they didn't come from money so yeah. it was like they definitely <clears throat> excuse me they definitely had to work um but yeah I don't I don't know where I was going with that it's just I don't know I don't know when that moment is of oh I'm doing this I'm trying to think of my friends who have started companies. I feel like so many of them, it's like they are the last people they paid mm, who mm-hmm. worked for, you know, they paid all the other employees or whatnot, but then never paid themselves until they really? could. Or I speak like I have a ton of friends who I know. Have I'm like, how many friends do you have that started businesses? I have a lot in really? Texas. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I did come from a more affluent community where I think people have the flexibility to explore those mm. things. Um, not necessarily by no means are they being no, carried no. by their parents, but I think they just, just the flexibility. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it's impressive. I think, I do think the one thing I felt, this is kind of jumping That's topics, okay. <laughs> but the one thing that I felt was, you know, they reference this creative economy. And I do think there's this new movement of lifestyle. Mm. And a lot of them and their businesses are built on this new creative lifestyle economy of um, pretty pictures and Mm. designs of homes and, you know, things. I guess that is what the creative economy is comprised of is blogs and yeah um, blogs, I think Instagram <laughs> yeah yeah but I I also think there's a big part of the creative economy that is the arts and I would have liked to see somebody who was a little more art like they would describe themselves as an artist yeah even though you know Virginia or even Rakia, who was it? Somebody else said that they also had um, um, graduated with an arts degree. I think it was degree. Grace. Grace, and then yeah. they, she said that her professors said, don't become an artist. Yeah, yeah, at, like at graduation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was uh, Grace and Virginia were artists. But I think if I had been an artist and I had seen this talk advertised and then I had gone and I would have heard these stories, I think I would have been a little discouraged to been like, okay, well, I'm creative and artistic and can do these things, but maybe I need to move into a space that's a little more consumer-driven. Yeah. That's interesting. I started thinking about, after you said that, I was thinking, is that a problem with, like, why is that? Why is it is the push toward, is it just more accessible? Is it easier to make a living? Is it? I think it's more um, commonly enjoyed, I guess. Or it doesn't seem... bigger reach. Accessible is good. Yeah, Yeah. bigger reach, like more of an audience. Yeah. Um, You can monetize it. Yeah. Pretty easy. Well, pretty easy. There's more options and ways to monetize it, I think, than... I think. I also just think it's what everybody... It's... I don't want to say it's a fad or it's in because I think it'll stay around for a long time, but mm-hmm. I, it's the new way of doing business. Well, 
It's interesting you say that because they, in the talk, they talked a lot about um, how there's different value associated, monetary value associated to different types of creative professionals. So like a makeup artist gets paid, a makeup artist for a photo shoot gets paid just as much as Rakia, who does all of the multimedia communication strategy planning, which is like, she's doing objectively more work yeah but it's different kind of work yeah and like the makeup artist is also doing a lot of work but it's they're just so different yet they're still lumped in the same creative economy bubble and then the values are kind of skewed which I just I just found to be an interesting talk and it, it kind of relates back to what what you're saying about how it's accessible and how how more people are familiar with this consumerized aspect of creativity. Yeah. Um, but even within that, there's such variation in how much people can get paid. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, no, it does. I mean, I the, the makeup artist thing, it blew my mind. And part of me is like, is it because it's been around longer. Like that's a, yeah, maybe that's a trade that has been around for decades. Yeah. Like <laughs> celebrities really picked up. Um, yeah. I do think it's not easier. Actually, I have no idea because I'm, I've done neither, but I would say that <laughs> I see and have exposure to more yeah. creatives in the sense of bloggers or, um, we're even taking this down a tangent that none of them are, well, that's not true. Grace Bonnie is a blogger. She, yeah, she started as a blogger. I guess she's still, Design Sponge is still around. So yeah. She still blogs. Or she said she has a lot of freelancers. Yeah. Uh, which I was like, oh, smart, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. She was a brilliant businesswoman. Like the way she talks about her, mm-hmm. um, how to retain talent and how to make people feel valued, valued, yeah. which I think is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, like the, when she said that when she hires people, the first thing she asks them is what do you want to do? What's your passion? And like, how can I make that dream a reality? I was like, Oh my God, hire me. But she's also Hello. not her, <laughs> like she's grounded in the reality of business enough to know that that's necessary. Not because mm-hmm. she wants I mean, I'm sure she, she does also yeah. care, but like, it's a matter of how God do you retain it. talent when you might not be able to pay them as much? Right, right. It's their own happiness, and yeah, interns. It it the the talk made me want to. It's been interesting. I mean, we listened to it. What it's been twenty four hours now. Yeah. We listened to it yesterday. I was so inspired. I was so excited about it. And I was like, it really like made me want to do something really creative and like make that a full-time thing and then today rolls around I had to go to my full-time job which I love and it's it's fine and it's very entrepreneurial and I enjoy it but I go to my full-time job and I'm like man I really wish I had a creative thing I was doing all the time um 
Go ahead. I, I was like, but that, I'm thinking of something you said yesterday, <laughs> which I would go ahead and say it. I know. No, I don't know. If you I, don't know what you're going to. No. Oh, okay. You don't know what I'm going to say that you said. No, I'm kidding. It's like, aren't we mind readers, Caroline? Uh, <laughs> that is a cognitive distortion. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Shout out to cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, no, Caroline, for everyone listening. Um, used to work in the arts and we were doing like the networking thing after the talk and she said that you said I'm like talking about you no I love yeah Um, I'm all about this you made a really interesting point yesterday where it's like when it is your 24 7 all work no play you kind of it loses its magic it you you know you start kind of loathing it a little bit because you see all the problems in it and so you know I've never experienced that because I never worked in the arts I've always kind of let it be on the side and pursue it as a passion but um I should give you more credit because that is exactly what I was about to say but (laughs) I wasn't sure if that's where you were headed (laughs) yeah it's a very hard now I'm in this place where I'm trying to find balance of Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in the arts for a while and I mean, not that long, a year or two. And, um, I loved it, but it started to really wear on me and I found that it was work. And so then in my free time, I never did anything with the arts because I had no desire to go to gallery openings. I had no desire to do these things because I was doing them as part of my job. And, um, I stopped having the love and appreciation for it. And so that's why I completely left the industry. But I've been out of the industry for four years now, and I've... You miss it. I miss it. Yeah. But I also don't want to end up back in a situation where I hate it again. Yeah. I think there is such a healthy balance, and I wonder if maybe, kind of going back to our discussion on, like, why they chose these fields that's not necessarily, like, fine art or painting or what traditional forms of art maybe this is their way of striking a healthy balance between the creative side that they love where they can like share their imagination and the more concrete business side of things and I wonder if this is their balance I think it's a really good observation like a very smart observation because it is most of their work is playing to whatever their customers want, right? right. And the clients. And it's mm-hmm. for sure they get to some level, I'm sure, of I want to work with this person. I'm not yeah. that interested in working with this person. But you're still, your job is to make and create what your client wants. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're an artist, you are creating something that you want and your ideas and your mm-hmm. thoughts here. Unless you're doing commissioned work, that's different. But And then you're trying to sell it and you're trying to get the affirmation from people of something that is so Mm. just you and your thoughts versus here. It's like, yeah, it's your work and you're super proud of it. But there was also direction coming from your audience. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's so interesting because in some of the writing that I do where I like talk to people in the arts community, one thing that comes up over and over again is how isolating the arts can be and like the process and how it's a lot of reflection. It's a lot of just thinking. Um, and I, I wonder if for me, at least, like I know part of the reason I enjoy working in business is because I get to interact with people and like collaborate and strategize and 
what have you. And so it's, um, I want to find that healthy balance. <laughs> it's like, it's my turn. No, um, it was just, it was really cool. I, one thing that they talked about and it was kind of like, a. I think it started with, um, Rakia and, uh, Virginia talking about mommy guilt because mm-hmm. they both have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and how like they're, life is sometimes taken over their business takes over their life sometimes um but then diana called it experience guilt which i found to be really really interesting just that word um because sometimes i feel like it experience guilt is i think a more eloquent way of saying fomo yeah (laughs) yeah um but sometimes i'm like yeah i have all these things i want to do like I'm going to start an Instagram, you know, we're doing a podcast, we're writing, we're, you know, whatever, work, like, we're passionate about our jobs, full-time jobs, and it's, like, sometimes I do get experience guilt, like, and I don't even run my own business, (laughs) so I, I, that was one thing that I was, like, I can't imagine. That kind of goes back to, I was really impressed by Grace's perspective Mm -hmm. in, um, kind of self-awareness around owning a company was just you you have to shut down take time well actually Deanna focused on that a lot too yeah. it was like taking time for yourself and putting yourself first and on the list recharging yeah because yeah. I think that I mean I experienced that in just my full-time job mm-hmm. much less every other thing that I'm trying to do in my life yeah yeah I I've been trying so much harder in the last, I guess since I moved back to D.C. in the last two years, to feel okay about saying no to things and just being like, honestly, like, all I want to do right now is sit in my bed and read and have a nice cup of tea. Like, yep. that's all I want. And and it's so interesting because it's like, I've always been known as this, like, extroverted, bubbly, like, outgoing, and I am in a lot of ways, but maybe it's age I'm not even that old but it's like I just want to be by myself sometimes now and I'm like I just want to sit I think it's probably unhealthy if you don't want to be by yourself I right? feel like it's avoidance right yeah, if you're right? like maybe. I can't sit and be <laughs> alone by myself because I don't know what to do with myself it's like that should be you should be able to do that yeah everybody should be able to do that I hope so you know and I but I do think it comes with age I feeling so. okay and respecting and wanting yeah. That experience and that time to self explore, I guess. Yeah. And I, I mean, the whole meditation thing and like, I've been reading a lot more about that. And I, it's funny. I'm not, I always have something going on in my head. I'm always just like thinking. It's like, you know, this Caroline. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and the, the creative process in a lot of ways can be such a meditative experience and I guess girl you gotta get your paint on I know oh I just like then I have like a competition with myself I'm like you're not Picasso you can't do (laughs) no I'm kidding but I yeah it's these women just like have struck such a and again going back to like this is maybe all we see but it seems like they've struck a balance and we kind of get the refined version because they're sitting on a stage in front of a bunch of people at a yeah. talk where they're supposed to inspire people. We're getting 
that version, but every single one of them talked about how they're really, really good about slowing down and breathing. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's something that I've been struggling with. You mentioned this is like what you're trying to focus on is saying no and being okay with it. Like mine is being okay with the fact that we are trying to figure out your priorities. Yeah. I feel like it's such a freaking blessing that there are so many things I want to do that the biggest issue is I don't have enough time. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm not worrying about money. I'm not worrying about how to feed like the, I have, you have a house. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, I don't have a house. Well, an apartment. I have a 500 square foot apartment, <laughs> but you know, you have a roof over your head. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I told, this is totally off tangent, but I mean, I guess it kind of goes with the off talk. tangent on, on, yeah. on it. Cause it's in a tangent. It, I really keep focusing topic, off, off topic, topic but it's, it or it's off topic, but it's you're going on a tangent. On a tangent. Did I just, what did I, did I say tangent? Was that the word that came out of my mouth? Cause yeah. after I said it, it didn't sound like that's what I said <laughs> in my head. No, I think you said it right. I said, I mixed two sayings. Okay. Off topic, but, uh, and it's something that I, I started at the beginning of the year and then have not kept up with admittedly, but my younger brother surprisingly told me to do it. He told me to start a gratitude journal. Oh, yeah. And I did it for a good two months. And I was so happy. <laughs> and then I just stopped. I don't know. I probably started getting warmer. And I was like, oh, I'm running around outside. But, um, you got happy and you didn't need it I again. I was just like, you know what? Like, yeah, I did talk to my dad for 30 minutes today. And that's awesome that I have a relationship like that. And I not everyone does. And I'm really, really thankful that I have that. And... Um, it, it also started helping me realize the things that I am thankful for that make me happy. Yeah. And so those are, those, I mean, I only did it for two, two and a half months, but some of the things that I realized from back then I've carried on to now, like, again, talking about my dad for anyone who knows my dad, he is the biggest jokester in the world. And I would find myself in my notebook writing like, oh, my dad made me laugh today or like, oh, my dad told me this really funny story. So now it's like a thing where I, if I'm upset about something, I just call my dad and he'll just goof around and yeah. talk to me. And it's just like, I'm so, so, so thankful that I have that because um, it always cheers me up. Anyway, if anyone wants to call my dad and have um, him cheer I'll you up. I'll take his number right now, actually. <laughs> You've met him. You know, know. You know how know. he is. Um, but yeah, they're really good about talking about self-care, which I appreciate I think it's really important. Virginia was saying that, like, they're really bad about boundaries with work, so that her and her family will, like, without fail, take three to four big vacations a year, which I was like, that's awesome. I think you have to, I know myself, and I know that I need more consistent touch points, Mm. and so I would much rather... Uh, you have to find the right balance cadence and <laughs> the way that it works for you. But I, that, I mean, that seems amazing. I'm sure she's gone freaking incredible places, yeah. but I would need more cons- like, yeah. I'd rather piece it out right. into my life yeah. more frequently. But that's like, that's awesome that you even know that, right? Like, I feel like 
I, I don't, I hope I don't know anyone that doesn't know how to take care of themselves, but, um, I think most people don't know how to take care of themselves. That's true. Or they think they're taking care of themselves, but they don't. Anyway, that's not my problem, but I, I would, I just think it's great that you've taken the time to just sit down and, and think about those things. Right. Cause it's like, who's gonna, this is so cheesy and cliche, but like, who's going to take care of you if you don't get, take care of yourself? Like you can't put your best foot forward if you're not taking care of yourself. Was and it not, Deanna who said that? Yes. Probably. I mean, to yeah, that. like, I, yeah, Deanna, my girl, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who said this too, but, um, someone said like, you know, if something bad happens, cry, give yourself an hour and then put your boots back on and keep going. Cause like that's life. And I feel like, like I'm not good at that part. I know, me neither. Ah, I'm better at it now than I used to be. I've had to be though, because it's like my current job, there's certain situations where I'm like, I just, this is out of my hands and. I'm getting nervous because I haven't had a big breakdown recently. Why does that make you nervous? Because it's building up inside of me and when something happens, it's going to be... I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) I am totally the type of person, though, that if I haven't cried in six months for an, you know, it just... The littlest thing will trigger me and I will cry and then I will feel so much relief. Oh my gosh, yeah. I know that feeling, though. It's like when you're just like, I really, really, really need to cry and just let it out. That's real. I would have loved to hear more about, and this is obviously not an arts related thing, but just like what it is to be a woman entrepreneur and how to handle different things. Because um, I'm a crier with any emotion, which is the one that always pisses me off the most is when I get really frustrated with somebody, I tend to cry. Yeah. But it's really frustrating because then they start to feel sympathy for you and you're like, no, no. Like, I am mad at you. Yeah. This is my angry face. Yeah. Don't be nice <laughs> to me. Minus the tears. <laughs> Ignore the tears. And the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that's, like, a totally normal react, Or I think it should be a totally yeah, normal reaction. I think, I think there should be a place for tears in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, it makes I, people feel, it makes men feel uncomfortable. I'm getting on my feminist soapbox for yeah, a second. Yeah, do it, girl. But I don't think women seeing other women cry makes them feel uncomfortable. I definitely think there's a sense of empathy, but mm-hmm. I think for men, it's like, oh my gosh, how do I fix this? Like, it's yeah, a yeah, thing yeah. to be fixed. Hmm. And it's like, no, I just need to let my emotions out. I think they're like, how do we stop you from having these feelings? Not why are you having these feelings, right? Yeah. I think that transcends outside the workplace. That's true. That's true. (laughs) We don't have to get into that. No, I mean, I do think it's, there's such validity validity to that statement. I mean, I think, was it Grace who was talking about her when she fired an employee Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, I expected more out of you. I expected more out of a woman. And she was like, what? Like, to be more compassionate? or That's what, what it was, compassion. Is, yeah. yeah. And she was like, you're not doing your job. Like, there's n- no compassion coming from my side. So, 
Um, and then I think, I, I can't remember if it was her or Rakia, but uh, one of them had said, like, they say this, they fire someone, then they get hit back with, like, oh, why aren't you being compassionate? And then they go home and they feel bad yeah. when the other person was the one not doing their work. Like, how twisted is that? Carrying that weight. Yeah. Guilt. The patriarchy. <laughs> F the patriarchy. Just kidding. I know some great guys in the workplace. Like, they, you know, they're really kicking it. Uh, <laughs> dealing with the tears. No, I mean... I, I think that females also play into these. Totally. Totally. As, you know, we... Oh, it's just society. It's how we've been structured and... And, the, I mean, kind of going on this on the same topic of just, like, our natural female tendencies to for us to be naturally compassionate and empathetic it's like it it ends up being harder to do certain strategic business things stereotypically strategic businesses I totally lost my train of thought I have no idea where I'm going with this but that's okay it's the whole compassion empathy thing um (laughs) I wish you all could see her face right now she's trying so hard I'm just (laughs) damn well anyway they i think one of their big things that i just loved was just how honest and raw and unfiltered they all were so i have a question for you dum 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 (laughs) and this is going back to specifically the creative economy what Uh do you think is the biggest challenge facing the creative economy right now hmm Loaded question, I'm Caroline. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've done this to you before. <laughs> um, I thought one of the biggest things, and not only in the creative economy in the sense that we were talking about with the consumerist side of things, but also in the visual arts and more established art institutional programs and education, things like that. Um, diversity. Ooh, yeah. I really, really do. I mean... They barely touched on that last night, too. Yeah, I mean... A couple things were said, but... They, and not only, like, race, but gender, identity, just all of it. Um, and and they kind of talk about it with with the struggles they've had running their businesses, but even... I, I would have... I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I would have loved to hear about kind of challenges and, and adversity they've faced with their creative work, like the products that they've even come out with or yeah. the things that where they've faced adversity and had to been like, no, this is quality work. It has nothing to do with my background. But, I, I, you know, I, I think just diversity in the arts has a long way to go. Um, I mean, I want to go back to National Museum of the Arts and buy Diana's shirt from their campaign about name five female artists yeah and like the average person can't like we could i also think there's a level of name five artists that is kind of a thing in this country yeah yeah lack of investment in arts educations yeah five american artists yeah 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 because european i feel like people could do monet 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 yeah picasso (laughs) yeah um what about you what do you think is the biggest challenge I think keeping up with technology. Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think that there's, yeah, they are just constantly going to have to adapt to 
the pace is insane, especially when you're constantly working on these platforms. Do you think it'll ever kind of regress? Like people will be so overwhelmed with technology that people... Yes, but I think the solution will be some sort of technology that is less Mm. overtly technological, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does. Right, like some sort of new innovation, but it's not staring at a screen or... Uh. But it's still, I guess innovation maybe or because it's like still a new product I think it'll yeah. still be a new product that yeah that's interesting yeah I'm trying to think of examples of like people who have done certain things and you know certain ad campaigns or just really creative genius things where it's like this is recycling something that we used to use in like the 90s or <laughs> yeah um I can't think of any off the top of my head but um I always wonder with that, you know, like how much is too much? And then like, Oh, I think we're at too much. I think we're definitely going to get even more. But oh yeah. I also think they're, I don't know. I think it'll scale down, but it's still gonna, there's definitely, it's gonna still be. gonna be. Cause even if it, well, that was a, I was going to say if technology goes away and we scale back, then they're going to have to figure out how to adapt to that too. Yeah. How do you reach an audience? Or yeah, because part of their success has been due to, or not part of it, but like a way to magnify their success is your platform and your, your platform. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even it's hilarious because it's like even this podcast. I'll just like go out and just tell people, oh yeah, I'm working on a podcast, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, here's my information. Like, can we be on it? And I'm like, we literally have it. Like. We just started. You have no idea how successful we're going to yeah. be. You have no idea how successful we're going to be. I mean, dream big, girl. For me personally, the reason why I became an entrepreneur is because I don't want to live my life going after someone else's dream. I want to go after my own dreams. You can achieve whatever you want in life, but you have to put in the work. And you have to make sure that you're able to push yourself whenever there's low moments. Because there's a lot and there's a lot of stresses, and being able to build that strength. That's why I say entrepreneurship is not for everyone, because it's like being an athlete. If you want to be a professional athlete, you're going to have to be in the gym, you're going to have to be working out, you're going to have to be practicing nonstop. It takes a lot of dedication and a lot of sacrifice. And there, also with entrepreneurship, yes, I am a woman, and yes, I am Hispanic, and yes, I come from immigrant parents, that propels me to move forward, pushes me to fight, and no matter what, I'm never gonna quit. I think sometimes people get confused with entrepreneurship and they think, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you're able to do things on your own, you're your own boss. No, I still have just as many bills to pay, if not more, than the average person or professional. Um, And while I may not respond to one specific boss, um, I have several. So all of my clients are bosses and it's just, um, I I think it can be sort of misconstrued. You know, people have this idea that if you're an entrepreneur that it's just you um, and you're sort of the boss and running things. Don't think that's necessarily the case. The unfortunate thing is that um, you, you still have to get paid and you still have to make sure that your clients are happy. It's challenging to to be a creative person and you have these wonderful random create you know crazy ideas and you want to sort of push them and help clients um, push the bar but that's just not always 
welcome and accepted. And so oftentimes you have to sort of bite your lip and do the things that you may not want to do. Um, you may have to do some of those uh, projects or, or work with some of those clients, um, especially in your early days, that you wouldn't necessarily want to, um, just in terms of aesthetics or styling. Um, but again, you have to pay the bills. I think every female entrepreneur needs a strong, talented army of other female entrepreneurs behind her. It is so hard to find people who understand what it is like to try to launch a business, to try to get funding, and to find footing in a world where it's not set up for you to succeed. And so I find that is the most important thing you can do for success is to build a support group around yourself and have that be a mix of online and off and people in all different parts of the creative community who can really help you with everything from dealing with customers to pricing to PR, and those are the people that are with you at the end of the day when things are tough. When it comes to entrepreneurship, and in particular, this sort of vein of female empowerment we have right now, there is this huge gap between the perception and the reality of what business looks like. And no business, despite the gender of whoever is running it, is an island. Everyone is being propped up and supported and, and propelled forward by people who have their best interests and who have their backs. And no matter who you're seeing and what their, per their perceived success looks like, always know that there are at least five to 10 people behind them who are actively rooting for them and wanting them to succeed. And that sometimes makes all the difference. I think as a creative entrepreneur, not only do you need vision and purpose, but you need tenacity. Because people that have vision and purpose often feel like once their vision isn't heard the first, second, third, fourth time, then maybe they should pivot and go into another direction. But I think when you are tenacious and you're someone that really believes in your vision, you not you know in addition to that tenacity you have to have people around you that support that tenacity uh, and don't think that you're you know sort of delusional you know I think as a, a young entrepreneur when I was coming up you know when I was seven eight nine fifteen you know when I would say I had these grandiose ideas I would often be told you know you have delusions of grandeur and I think you know at the some there were times when I felt deflated. And when you're deflated, it's hard to blow that balloon up again. But as an adult, I was, you know, I'm, you know, because of the the pitfalls and you know that failing forward notion, you become a little tougher. You become Teflon. Uh, so now it's like, you know, when I have a vision and I have a dream or I have an idea, um, I have to have that tenacity to say, no matter what. Um, I'm gonna do it or you know because I don't have the funding or maybe the access isn't there or maybe nobody else believes that this can happen I have to believe that it can happen I wish I could sit down with each one of those women and have an individual talk with each one of them for like two hours oh yeah I would do it I mean because they each have like such a fascinating story um, have their own unique ways and journeys of how they got there um and they all just seem so rad they all seem so so <laughs> freaking cool so i uh, just am very excited to be having these conversations and hearing other people have these conversations and i feel like i like to have in-depth conversations but when you're at a party on a saturday night people don't want to sit next to you because they don't want to talk about that especially not the arts yeah I dare you 
the next party you go to, sit down next to someone, someone unassuming, just be like, how do you feel about the creative economy? (laughs) Challenge to everybody (laughs) listening. Next time you're out drinking, sit down and ask somebody, how do you feel about the creative economy? And then follow up question, how do you feel about women in the creative economy? Let us know. Seriously, that'd be a great social experiment. Yeah. I wonder, I bet you people, my friend, I know some of my friends, they'd look back at me and be like, what the hell is a creative economy actually? But I think it's supposed to be whatever you want it to be. I, I mean, I think it's still so early on that it's still being molded. Yeah. Especially with all the advancements in technology and, and just all the different ways you can be creative now. The word they did use was imagination, something that forces you to use your imagination. Which is so open-ended. Yep. Which I love. Totally. Check out these four women. Yeah. Go to a party, get drunk, and ask somebody about the creative economy. Follow them on Instagram, because we all love Instagram. Not the people at the party, but the four women that are cool. You can follow those people at the party, too. (laughs) 